You're listening to a Military Life Media podcast. Hi, I'm Beck Rayner and this is the Military Life Podcast, a podcast that celebrates, empowers, supports, informs and embraces the spouses beside the military members by building connections, acknowledging our strength, focusing on self-care and our mental health. Let's do this together. There's everyday life, then there's a life in defence. There's nothing else quite like it. And for me, there's no other bank that understands this the way Defence Bank does. With products and services tailored for ADF members and defence spouses, 30 on-base branches across Australia and an award-winning banking app, they just get defence. But don't take my word for it. Others agree, in fact, they were recently awarded Defence Services Bank of the Year by We Money, a unique bank for a life like no other. Visit defencebank.com.au today to find out more. Welcome, Rachel, for the Defence LGBTI Information Service to the podcast. Morning, Beck. It's fantastic to be here and thanks for the invitation. You have come on to tell us about DEFCLIS. So can you tell us a little bit about the history of the organisation and, and where it sort of came from? I guess DEFCLIS is actually relatively new by way of history. However, there was an organisation called GFORCE, which established itself in about 1992, uh, understanding that there was um, this gap that didn't provide some peer support and some networking for the LGBTI people within the Australian Defence Force. G-Force kind of started this little peer group and then in 2002, uh, DEFCLIS was born by a then serving petty officer in service. And the intent was, uh, it was just to generate a bit of a, like an online kind of e-newsletter about certain significant days that were coming up through the calendar year, in particular, kind of getting together to celebrate uh, so the Mardi Gras festival season, but also to provide, again, a, a networking tool that was safe and secure for defence personnel that identified as LGBTI. So, yeah, the premise was just to give a, a foundation and an area for LGBTI people to come together and talk uh, and, and share stories and understand their jobs and roles and, you know, what they're up to in defence as well. So why is it important to have an organisation like DEFCLIS and to have that space for people to access and go to for support? The space that we provide people is invaluable for the LGBTI community. Unfortunately, uh, we tend to be kind of headlined negatively more often than not than what we are positively. So what DEFGLIS allows is for us to, as an organisation, coordinate and construct peer support networking programs, um, some education pieces along the way. We have a luxury of providing some policy and information intent up through and into defence policies and guidelines. Um, so that's a real powerful position that we hold and it's a a very privileged position that we have. But without DEFGLIS, there wouldn't be this safe space and this trusted group of people that can come together and forge relationships and friendships to help them through their LGBTI journey in defence. Because, you know, dropping the ban only happened back in the 90s. So, you know, there's still a long way to go and there's still quite a bit of prejudice uh, and unbiased consciousness out there towards the LGBTI community in culture and inclusion. So DEFGLIS really builds that space uh, and allows for our membership to grow and we deliver events and uh, catch-ups through the year and a lot of community projects as well that people can get involved in and feel really empowered by doing so. You mentioned that you offer peer support and 
information and, and resources that way. Why is it important that the defence member can access peer support and information and how does that kind of have a flow and effect for, I guess, their partner and their family and the whole family unit feeling included? I guess, unfortunately, as it stands today, current ADF policy uh, is still very centric around, you know, what the defence was like 20, 30 years ago, where it was husband, wife, children, generally, you know, the husband's the one that's the primary member in the ADF and therefore, you know, your wife and your family are the ones that are at home trying to manage life and doing that lifestyle balancing act, which is quite complex as it is. So DefGlis has the capacity to kind of peer support these people and show them through the lens of the LGBTI community rather than through the lenses of, of some of the advice and information that they might be receiving that's very non-LGBTI inclusive. But that's simply just because that's how our policy and how our kind of business as usual has been applied over time. So we, through our peer support, we allow to break down that conversation and break down that language and break down those policies and then deliver the information, importantly, through that uh, LGBTI community lens, um, which helps them take that back to the family and back to who and what impacts them the most as well. So, you know, we can uh, construct ways of dealing and addressing through DHA or through um, you know, defence member family groups and commanding officers and medical systems and stuff. And we can just pull that apart a little bit better through the experience that the members of DEFCLIS can bring in. You mentioned, obviously, that some of the foundations and the work that you do behind the scenes that people wouldn't necessarily see is helping with policy and informing, I guess, command and and defence in regards to the needs of your community. Why is it important that you have an impact on policy and inform command as opposed to just bringing people together through events and, and all of that stuff? Why is it important to do that behind the scenes work? Without that behind the scenes work, we don't get reform change and policy change. So DefList was in instrumental in changing the requirements for relationship recognition in defence. The last question in an original document was, is your partner of the opposite sex? So obviously LGBTI people in relationships weren't able to tick yes to that, so therefore that application process never went any further. Through the work that DEFCLIS did do back then, we were able to change that and identify that these were areas where there was clear discrimination against members of our community and members within defence, and we were able to make those alterations and put that forward up to senior leaders uh, and have those policies changes made so that we could all be recognised as we would be in society. So without our ability to advocate for the things that do stop us from, uh, I guess, being able to be authentic across our whole spectrum of who we are in work and outside, obviously, in those family lives that matter highly as well, because without family, we don't always get the opportunity to excel and exceed in our careers. So it's vital, uh, absolutely vital that we take these policy changes and these reform differences up through senior leaders to get them to see it through our lens and uh, as opposed to not understanding. And sometimes it is just not being visible and not kind of understanding what it is and where those barriers lay. So we get to identify that and then uh, put action plans to hopefully, you know, reduce them and break them down over time. Yeah. yeah. Because what kind of impact does it have when members of the defence community don't feel seen or understood and, and don't feel like they fit anywhere? Like, obviously, there's different subgroups within the defence community. And like you mentioned, the fallback is to kind of see defence partners, defence families as this 1970s 
husband, wife, two kids follow the defence partner around the country kind of thing. What kind of impact do you think it would have if DefCLIS wasn't there advocating and, and doing the work behind the scenes to allow your community to feel seen and heard and understood? I've always been a very out and open gay woman. And although in 1999, when I did join, I kind of pretended to be straight and stated that my girlfriend was a boyfriend because I heard some of the horror stories. And obviously that was just for a bit of self-protection as I joined and entered the defence journey. However, in recent years, I guess probably in the last 10, I've been a, a, a large advocate for being able to come to work as your whole self. Statistics show that if you're not confident and don't feel safe in your workspace, you actually have about a 30% reduction in capability just because you're consciously having to filter out conversations for fear of prejudice. So we have, if I have members that can't feel safe to be themselves and talk about their families and their children in their home and their support mechanisms that bring them to work healthily every day, then they're putting so much energy in having to apply those filters and not be open in conversation and open in themselves around their peer group that they're exhausting themselves emotionally and physically before I can get the best out of them at work to meet my capability needs and sustain that war fight intent that I need to deliver defence every day. So it's vital that DEFGLIS continues to advocate for our community and, and more so for the underrepresented within our community. So at the moment, it's the TGD people, so transgender, gender diverse people that are very underrepresented in our community. And, you know, it's important, particularly for, I think, you know, someone like myself, who is a out and proud lesbian and have been for a long time now. I copped the flack, um, you know, 20 years ago and I've survived it. And I think my job today as a proud serving member is to is to wear some of that flack for the RTGD people as they start their underrepresented journey in defence and can feel safe and secure and bring all of their self and the whole of their amazing capability to work every day because that's what I need them to do. Yeah, that's amazing. And obviously like paving the way for other people within your community, but then also being the person that you might have needed back when you were first in defence and, and being that resource and that accepting community to be able to give, you know, members of your community, I guess, the confidence and the acceptance to be able to be who they are within their, their workplace. Because of, of course, defence isn't just a job. It's a lifestyle. It's a community. It's, you know, they become your family. It's your life. And like you mentioned, that then has a positive impact when people can be the person that they are and, and you know, reveal their whole self and feel comfortable in, in everything that they are. It helps with capability and then, of course, probably retention as well with keeping people secure in their jobs and wanting to stay within that job and feeling fully accepted. Absolutely. You know, and um, that retention thing is a, is, a really, uh, is a really significant effect within the Australian Defence Force. We have a high retrition rate, which stands because, as you said, it, it is a lifestyle. Sure, there's a percentage of people that come to work and uh, it's a job for them. And that's okay because we need those people anyway, as much as we do the next person. But for those that want to make, that passionately make that call to arms and enjoy the esprit de corps and enjoy everything that Defence has to offer, we will not retain them if they are a member of the LGBTI community and they still feel underrepresented and 
have to essentially semi-closet themselves, I guess, every day at work, then we are not going to get that passionate, driven, powerful individual to stay beyond what their ROSO is. And and I think that's where the impact lies um, because, you know, we, we kind of lose people around that seven-year mark as it is. Uh, and I think it's really important that we continue to build this relationship and understand what it is that keeps people in and, and wants to keep people in. So, yeah, retention is a, is a major uh, effect. And, of course, obviously it's up to the individual and, and the family to come forward and connect for that support or to step out and identify as part of your community when they're ready. But if there are people within the defence community who haven't yet reached out for support through DefGlis, what would you say to them to encourage them to take that step? I would say that, that if you were sitting on your warship, in your squadron or in your platoon somewhere and you're wondering about how or where uh, I can find my people and my people within the big village that is the ADF, then be courageous and look somebody up that's on the DefGlis page. Um, there's lots of points of contacts on there and reach into this group because this group will, they will stand next to you, they will stand behind you uh, and they will forge forward with you in order to get the best of you every day and the best of your family and the safety and the security that everybody deserves within their place of work to forge forward and to help you on your LGBTI in defence journey. So you have held your first first DefGlis Family Day. Can you tell me how that went and what that did, I guess, to connect your community with the wider community of defence and to showcase um, you guys coming together to, to celebrate your community? That was really exciting, actually, to get off the ground. It was probably about 18 months worth of work to get the Family Day to fruition. We had so much, so much interest from within our community, so within inside our DefGlis membership group. But I also received a lot of interest and a lot of family support from like 40-year-old chiefs that were coming because their young 13 and 14-year-old children were starting to gender identify and gender question. So they wanted to bring them down into the village to kind of see, you know, because the the truth is that you can't be what you can't see Uh, and not everybody gets to see where they kind of fit or belong, you know, early enough in life. I was privileged enough to do so, I guess, and lucky enough to do so. But yeah, so it was really surprising for me to see that we were getting members within the Australian Defence Force that have been serving for so many years and had very solid service values that were coming as well because they now had young children and teenage children that were questioning whether they actually kind of fit within the LGBTI community. And I had, uh, we had young trainee officers that, you know, stepped out of their comfort zone and came and attended as well. So, you know, it was a, a fantastic event that brought lots of very different people together for the day, which for me and for DefGlis as, you know, kind of like as the inaugural, um, it was really, really pleasing to see. Yeah. And how amazing to think that in years to come, the work that your organisation's doing on the ground now and obviously behind the scenes with the advocacy and policy and all of that behind the scenes work, that someone, you know, a child of a defence member or a community member who is, you know, a 10-year-old today in eight years' time when they step forward to put on that uniform and join defence will have so many less, I guess, barriers and constraints to step into that role and be themselves and identify as who they are. How great does that make you feel that you have had an impact on that? 
it's priceless. I can't say enough how proud it makes me feel to be not only a, a long-serving member of the ADF and a proud member in the Navy, but also, you know, a proud member of DEFGLIS now for a number of years where we do have the luxury, the privilege and the opportunity and capacity to have these days and to, and to build this, uh, this network and to build this environment where people can come and we can showcase the inclusion and diversity that actually is it is accepting um, and it is safe on the ground and you know I know that there's still some you know there's still some prejudicial horror stories that people hear but at the cold face you know we are we are very very liked and we are very welcomed amongst our teams so yeah to see that young people can step into that space and see you know their parents and just having the capacity to see that particularly with respects to my daughters you know so they can see that there's other kids that have two mums as well that are in the Navy too you know so it just allows them to see us replicated again so that it's a bit normalized as opposed to are we still that different mum so you know it's that sort of stuff that hits on the raw mark and the authentic mark of, of who we are and of course it all comes down to you know it really basically comes down to changing the narrative of who defense members and who defense families are going forward really you know your group defgliss defense partner groups you know special needs support group working to sort of advocate for all of those community members within the defense community who might not necessarily feel completely seen and heard or feel like defense really get them but all of those groups are working behind the scenes to to change that and to change the narrative of who defense families are like you said like you know if your daughters can see that there's other families with two mums or another family can see that there's a family with two dads or whatever the the family makeup or the defense member looks like that can only be a good thing you know Absolutely. And all the kids, you know, they, they come together and they have such a great time. And, and us as parents, we kind of stand there and, you know, we have general parent conversations just like everybody else does. And, you know, we had our allied families there as well. And, you know, single moms that are uh, in defence as well. You know, it's all, some days it's a bit, you know, tricky for them to go to events that are tailored for, you know, like the, the heterosexual or the standard military like family complex, whereas, you know, they came to our thing to have a go there. So, you know, it was just really nice just to see a whole bunch of different a diverse range of, of families and friends all coming together uh, and it's something that we're going to work towards continuing so DefGlist will most likely run a large family event uh, annually now which I think is a fantastic thing so it's just going to grow and, and get bigger and better every year. Touching on future plans what else is in store for coming forward and going into the future? So DefGlist prides itself at the moment of having a number of capstone events in our calendar year so we obviously celebrate Mardi Gras and our participants participation in Mardi Gras which is a fantastic event and that brings all the three uh, uniform services together as well as our Department of Defence personnel who then kind of parade under the DEFGLIS banner and uh, we're working towards at the moment Pride Ball which will be happening at the end of the year and again that's one of our capstone black tie events and we're working in the background with our gender and gender diverse people to kind of pull together some policy uh, information and some guideline information to help those commanders and officers 
centres and work groups uh, and workspaces and sections out there kind of understand and, and trying to, again, break down some of that LGBTI unconscious prejudice that, that is just out there. And it's out there because it's an unknown at the moment. And we're just trying to raise that awareness to bring it into, you know, there are some better and easier ways that we can do life and business and make sure that we include everybody. So there's a whole bunch of policy advocacy stuff doing and then there's a whole bunch of celebratory coming together of the community, you know, that's on our calendar. Exciting times. Fantastic. And so how can the wider defence community support DEFCLIS, you know, the community houses, just the general defence community? How can we support DEFCLIS and all that's happening for you guys and be an ally for you? You know, that's a really great question, Beck. And I actually had that question posed to me by one of my sailors when I did an Idle Hobbit event at work. And they asked, what can I do? All right, because they see that it's a thing that we do as a member of the community. And, you know, it's a great question. And I'll give you the same answer that I gave them. And that was, if you're sitting back listening to this podcast and you're not a member of the LGBTI community, you know, that's great and that's okay for us. If you're an ally and if you want to help us out, then I ask that when you hear conversations that aren't necessarily attuned to inclusion and healthy conversations about LGBTI people, then I ask you as an ally to stand there and challenge that, please. Because at the moment, the LGBTI story is is still just our story. It's a gay story. It's a queer story. But when it becomes an ally's story and an ally stands there and says, hey, you know, that's probably not the best thing to say right now, or this doesn't align with our values, with respect, you know, with valuing each other's contribution. So as an ally, your voice of reason is tenfold compared to what my story is. And and that's the power that an ally and a friend can have to the LGBTI community. Being a voice for people that you might not be part of the community but you can basically just be a decent human being and have a voice it does it it, sometimes it takes a lot to go against the grain if that if the majority of the group is having that conversation or participating in that narrative but it's about being a decent human being yeah you're right it is about (laughs) being a being a decent human being and as I said I just think some people just don't understand the why and again if you're not looking through it through the lens that we look through every day because we feel prejudice almost daily still uh you know and is that okay look no it's not but it's better than what it was um you know people aren't getting assaulted on the streets like they were 20 years ago so you know we've come a long way defense has come a long long way in the two decades that I've worked in it do we have a long way to go yeah we do but as a mentor and a captain of my said to me again the other day he was like Rachel you have more friends today than what you did 20 years ago and that is so true Beck you know um, we have so many more people that just want to be decent and just want to do the right thing and want to be respectful uh, and respectful to everybody and not just the LGBTI community. You know, this goes to our Indigenous communities as well and goes out to our women in defence, you know, portfolios and all that sort of stuff. And, and it is just at the end of the day about being decent and honest and respectful. Yeah, you don't have to sit in the community lane, you know, to help us out and, and to raise that awareness uh, and be part of the, I guess, the revolve against uh, that prejudice that can still lay there dormant. Mm until it kind of ruffles up to the surface. I mean, basically, if you're not using your voice, you might not be part of the problem, but you're definitely not part of the solution. Correct, yeah. So yeah. You're, either, you're either for cultural change or having that voice or you're not. You kind of can't sit in the middle. People can't go, oh, it doesn't affect me. I'm like, well, it does because you're, you're going to make an effect 
one way or the other. So there's no bystanders when it comes to, you know, advocating for that that cultural inclusion and that, and that culture reform. And so how can members and families, I guess, connect in with DefGlis and all that you guys offer and the support and resources and information? Yeah, sure. So www.defglis.com.au is our website. We also have Facebook page and Instagram. If you're interested, if people out there listening are interested and they uh, want to come and engage with DefGlis, they can go through any one of those mediums and become a member. And then once you become a member, you would become uh, a member of part of our closed group, which then we promote and do a lot of our own advocacy work together collectively. And then that gets raised up through the board. So the board meet monthly. And then out of those monthly meetings, we take action items, plan events, continue to do that behind the scenes advocacy work. We had an amazing effort with the Rainbow Reef Project. We had uh, Rainbow Reef for Anzac Day laid in all major cities and two rural areas across Australia. So that was one of our biggest project successes this year. So we are getting bigger and better uh, and we are getting more friends along the way, which is what it's all about. I so hope you were able to relate or take something away from today's episode. There are definite ups and downs to military life, but let's get the conversation happening so we can see that we are all in this together. We are all just doing our best. So until next week, you got this. Let's do this together one day at a time. Thank you so much for tuning in. If this episode has touched you, helped you, or given you that extra confidence to keep going, to continue to hold down the home front, to continue to do all the things, I would so appreciate it if you could pop into Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review, a comment about what you would like to hear more of, or just some encouraging words. If you want to suggest a guest, I am always looking for new people to talk to. You can do that by jumping over to the website www.militarylife.com.au and clicking on our podcast page. I would love to hear from you. 